Maybe it's much too early in the game. Oh, but I thought I'd ask you just the same. What are you doing, New Year's? New Year's Eve. Who's gonna be the one to hold you tight? When it's exactly twelve o'clock that night, welcoming in the new year's, new year's eve. Maybe I'm crazy to suppose I'd ever be the one you chose. Out of a thousand invitations you'd receive, oh, but in case I stand one little chance, here comes the jackpot question in advance. What are you doing, New Year's, New Year's Eve? and have some fun with me so I'm not just embarrassing myself up here on stage by myself. All right, so let's start out with a clap. Give me a beat, Josh. All right, I can see you can clap. I can't clap, but you can clap. All right, great. Now, let's. I need you guys to stand up so we have some fun with this. Come on, stand up on your feet. Let's, let's get ready for New Year's Eve. This might be some of the most dancing you have done all year long. All right. Now, we're going to take that clap and we're going to move into a step touch. All right. I like that it's being done with the baby. That's well done. 
All right, now, if any of you have seen Hitch, let's add in the Q-tip, all right? Throw it away. Throw it away. All right. Yeah, I, I, that's right. You better get doing that. All right, now we're going to do a little, we're going to throw it back a little bit, have some fun. We're going to squash the bug. So find that bug and turn it. Grab your shopping cart and get moving. What are you bringing to that potluck? You know what I'm saying? Come on. All right, now, when you're at that party and you have that awkward conversation, you need to take a phone call. Give me your awkward conversation into a phone call. Now, ladies, let me see you check your hair in the middle of the night. And now, because we're going to end the night, we're going to do the running man just to get away. Who did the running man before? Come on. All right. Thank you, guys. You guys have been great. Why don't you say hello to somebody around you, laugh at your own dance moves, and we will get started. All right, all right. Hey, aren't you glad you came to church today, huh? Yeah, you didn't think you'd be dancing this early on New Year's Eve. But yeah, that was Justin. He's going to be back later to deliver just a great message on the end of the year here. My name's Josh. I'm part of the team here at Kensington, and we just want to say welcome. Happy New Year. We're so glad that you're here. Um, Who came to Christmas? Christmas at Kensington. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you so much for bringing your neighbors and your friends, especially if you're someone who maybe came as a guest um, and are back now. Um, Again, super special welcome. If you are new, um, we want to invite you to check out Starting Point in the lobby. We have a free gift for you there, um, and it's a place where you can ask questions, get more information about who we are. So, Before we jump into the rest of the day, a couple things we want to let you know about. If you've been coming for maybe the last five, six weeks, uh, you've, or maybe received in the mail at home, you got our year-end giving storybook, and it was full of powerful stories of life change from this past year at Kensington, all because of the faithful generosity of people like you, like me, and uh, from all of our other campuses making this movement and funding this movement. And so uh, we have a special year-end message from our founding pastor, Steve Andrews, and we're going to watch that now. Hey, I hope you've had an amazing Christmas holiday. And I know that many of you, tons of you, have made a year-end Christmas gift to Kensington and that some of you are still planning on it. I want you to know that today is your last day in the service and also online to make this happen. And I want you to know even more than that, that your giving and your partnership means the world to me. We have no idea how many people God is going to allow us to touch in 2018, but your giving allows us to blast into a new year. Thank you so much. Um, so there's a few ways that you can, oh, we're back on. 
Awesome. Um, there's a few ways that you can give. I want to encourage you to do that. If you haven't had the chance to do that, you can do that the old-fashioned way by mail. Um, or if you have a smartphone or not-so-smartphone, um, you can open up our new mobile app, and it's right there on the front page. You can also send a text message to the number that is on screen, 77977. Um, and you can go online. We basically hit every avenue to give you an opportunity to be a part of what God's doing through the movement at Kensington Church. So definitely want to encourage you to do that. If you have more questions or want more info, Starting Point is a great place, and so is our mobile app. Um, so, 2018 is literally around the corner. It starts tonight at midnight. So tomorrow we're kicking off a brand new year. Um, and we've got some great things in store. We have a brand new weekend series that starts next week on the 7th. We also have an event that is for anyone who serves and who leads at Kensington Church. And so check these videos out. And then Justin Warns will be up to tell you more about that and get into today's topic. God has given us a sacred trust. to be back here on stage, not dancing. Um, one of the things that uh, you saw in that video is our, our leadership gathering. I just want to point out something about that. We believe that uh, at Kensington and in, in this next leadership gathering that every person has influence, whether they have influence in their home, they have influence in their workplace, they have influence on a serving team here. And so if you have influence, you are a leader in, in some capacity. And we believe that uh, the health of a leader is so important in how they lead. And so this uh, one we're calling Thrive, we're talking about what it means for a leader to thrive because we believe you can only give away what you have. And uh, so we're talking about emotional health, we're talking about spiritual health, we're talking about media health. And so we have these great sessions that we have planned uh, at our Troy campus, but also we have breakouts that kind of dive more into some of the practicals around those themes. And we'd love for you to be a part of it so you can put that on your calendar. The other thing you saw is our series that we're kicking off next week, which is Crave. Um, and we're excited because we know people make decisions. It's the new year. Uh, they're, they're going, I want to I see a change. I want to see something happen. But often when we've made a decision in our past, 
past about changing or something that has been holding us back from change, we come up to a wall against it. And so we want to help dive into some of those cravings that maybe have held us back and go, how do we find freedom in those places? Now, uh, before we jump into the, the, the direction of 2018, I want to talk a little bit about 2017. 2017 was an interesting year. For some people, it was a year uh, that it was filled with turmoil. For some people, it was filled with personal turmoil. There was global turmoil. Um, and, and then there was also moments of celebration in the midst of it. Uh, I think about things here at Kensington that we've been a part of. We've seen thousands of new people come to Christ through our global partners and here locally. Uh, uh, we have thousands more of our Pocot friends in, in Kenya who have clean water. We have hundreds of girls who have been rescued out in, in Nepal and now who have been sent out to be church planners. And, 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 and they've been rescued from some of the most dehumanizing situations to now bring hope to others. Uh, we've started new churches like Clinton Michael Dupin's in San Francisco, and they kick off in a couple weeks. We have in Boston, Colin and Liz Harfield, and on the east side, Dave and Gwen Kubiak. These are some of the moments that we've been celebrating among many others. But at the same time in our world, there was significant natural disasters, hurricanes, fires that, that occurred around, around the world. And then there was Charlottesville, St. Louis, and Las Vegas. And when you think about just the chaos that we live in, we, we are in this year of conflict and we are in this year uh, of hurt and pain. And uh, one of the most beautiful things that happens, though, in the midst of it is we find hopeful stories in the midst of those. We shared a story not too long ago about uh, Nicodemus, who is one of our friends in South Sudan, who um, did some very horrific things, but now is going back to the people that he hurt and bringing peace between tribal wars that are happening. You see images of during the hurricane where people uh, formed human lines just to get people out of uh, unsafe areas. There was this one picture that I saw of a, a human chain of people trying to get an elderly woman out of her home. And so we see in the midst of terrible moments, the human spirit rise up in heroic acts that happen. But Mother Teresa said it this way, and I think it is very uh, true of our situation, that if there is a lack of peace, it is because we have forgotten that we belong together. And so when we look back on our 2017, whatever it was, we, we begin to look at Jesus and go, well, where is the answer? Where is their hope? Where is their possibility? And we believe that Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. If you are a follower of Christ, you believe that Jesus is the Prince of Peace and he brings peace. And so where there lacks peace, there lacks Jesus. And so when Jesus entered into the world, as we see in the scriptures and the stories we read, we see that Jesus entered into the chaos, but he never gave in. Check this out. As we look back on 2017, what do we see? What are the memories that it will leave? What will it be remembered for? That new funny meme or maybe something more? The year of the inauguration, did your team win? Are we keeping score? 
Are we fighting for love or starting a war? 2017, the year of the walls, because if you don't think like me, talk like me, or walk like me, stay on your side. I've made up my mind and I'm more comfortable if you don't cross my line. Just check the Facebook wall we look at every day. I see posts laced with hate and demonstrations to retaliate because we love to prove that you're wrong and we think this is what it looks like to be really strong. Posting from behind a screen so you know people will know what I mean. Making names into numbers and pretending like we care because I posted to create awareness. I click share. But when was the last time we took the time to stare at pain in the face of the hurting? Took the time to see the humanity in the image of God and the people we pass? Not even saying hi because we have to complete our task. And it's so easy to ask, well, how did we get here? But each choice, good or bad, starts with the person in the mirror deciding what will I live for? Will my life be used to build or destroy? What kingdom will I advance more? It all starts with the decisions that I make. Will I choose to love or demonstrate hate? And if 2017 was the year of the walls, then let 2018 be the year they all fall. Let our New Year's resolution be a revolution that screams, we choose love. Flicker, flicker, and the light breaks into the night. Hope on the horizon, a reason to fight. Darkness cowers at the light of Jesus Christ. This light that's flickering is starting to spread. A spark that's marked by people who become love. Living stones, building blocks of light, illuminating the earth with the good news of Christ. Unity, peace, and love. The weapons of our warfare, bullets that declare we actually care. We're not just stepping into the future. We're intentionally creating a new world. Each good deed, a building block that paints a new mural. There's no walls in heaven, and we declare there shouldn't be any here. So we stop to hear the voice of those in pain, listening to hear their stories, and remembering their names. And this spark becomes a fire, and this fire becomes a flame. From the ash rises beauty by the power of Jesus' name. So it's important to remember, change starts with me. So ask, as we look to 2018, who will I be? What is the legacy that I will leave? Will I build a better future than the present I'm in or with each personal choice advance destruction? Because the truth is, if I wanna see a better world, it starts with me. So in 2018, ask, who will I be? It's a powerful question. Who will I be? And you think about uh, some of the decisions we make, some of the, the decisions we have been making or the, the situations we're in. We're always asking this question of who will I be? And, and, and that decision of who I am informs what we do. And so when I think about just this, this idea of what does 2018 look like? What is the possibility of it? We, we, we're calling this day my word. Because we believe this, that words create worlds. Words create worlds in the way that we live. Words create worlds in the way that we treat people. Words create worlds in the way that we think about ourselves. And so the question is for us, what are the words that we have been listening to? What are the words that we've, making, we've been making decisions with? And what words do we maybe need to turn up? And what words do we need to turn down in our lives? So let me pray. 
Jesus, thank you so much uh, for letting us be here. Thank you for um, just letting us gather. We pray that as, um, as we look forward to 2018, that you would just speak to us, that you would guide us in the direction that you have been longing for us to go, that you would remind us of what is true of us, and Lord, that you would silence the things that hold us back. We pray this in your name. Amen. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Justin. Uh, it is a pleasure to be here uh, and share a little bit about this message uh, this morning. Um, one of the things that I love uh, when it comes to this idea that words create worlds is I was thinking about how have I seen this play out as my parents recently, uh, both of them have, have started to hit retirement. So my dad retired a little while ago and my mom is right at the tail end retiring right now. And, and so one of the funny things that happened over this past fall is my mom asked me, as she's now at home more, what is one thing that I can get your dad as a birthday gift? And she started talking about this idea that she had because my dad loves politics. Like, so when you think about what you want your family gathering to be like, most people don't go in, I want to discuss every politic in the world. That's my father. That's what he wants to do. He wants to tell you his ideas, his concepts, his, his crazier ones, what he watched, all these things. So my mom being at home is like, it's driving me nuts. The TV is on and just cycles through different TV stations, different political shows. So she's like, I know what to get him. Noise canceling headphones. She goes, so she bought him this pair of noise canceling headphones. And all of a sudden she goes, peace has been restored in my household. I don't have to hear a lick of it. Right. And it's interesting. She turned the volume down on the TV and my dad is enjoying the noise, sitting there watching uh, his his shows. And my mom's like, I am sitting there reading in front of the fire in life is good. As I was writing this message, I was like, I wish I had a pair of noise canceling headphones because what happened was my daughters love them. I have three of them. They are awesome. Uh, They are needy. They're seven, four, and one and a half. They should be needy. I understand that. I have them. Uh, But this is what happened while I was trying to write this message the other day. I first got asked for a snack. Then I got asked for a blanket. Then I got asked for the video to be set up because they get some video time. And, And then when I stepped away from the video, then they asked me to adjust the video volume because the volume wasn't loud enough for them. And by the time I sat down again, they needed another snack. I wanted noise-canceling headphones just to mute the entire situation. But growing up, I remember I, had the, I played competitive soccer, travel soccer since I was really young. I had this one coach, this guy, Adrian, who was incredibly encouraging. He would, he would challenge me. He had this relationship with us as soccer players where he would tell us about what areas we need to grow in. But he did it in this way that you didn't feel like a failure. You felt like you were a part of a team and you were getting better, and he was encouraging that. On the other side, I had this other coach where I remember this one statement that he said to me 17, 18 years ago. I had just been called up on varsity. I, I got called up from JV to varsity, and I basically had to start right away. And I had friends who had already been on the team, and, and, and I got to start before they ever got to, to start. So I was, like, really encouraged by this. And I get in the game, and I remember there was this one ball that came across, and I took a shot, and it got past the goalie. And then all of a sudden, on the goal line, somebody stopped it. And I I talked with the coach after the game. I was like, man, I was this close to scoring a goal. And I was like, I was so proud. He goes, that's the difference between JV and varsity. And I remember just being deflated. Like, hey, that was a good try, but you failed. 
So where I had this one coach that would speak these words of encouragement and create this environment where I wanted to get better and be a part of the team and enjoy it. I had this other coach who I felt like I kept striving for his approval to never gain it. See, I believe that words create worlds for us. One world for me was one that I was excited to go to. One world for me where I was constantly stressed. And I believe the words that create the worlds begin to impact our decisions, our direction for our life, our beliefs about ourselves, the responses we have in situations, and the dreams we have or maybe had. And I believe when we look at our lives, whether as a whole this past year or this past season or even this next year, we desire to have more joy. We desire to have more peace, more love. That's that's something that is in us that we desire But there's something else that we feel like it's lacking or we feel discouraged about or we feel like we're longing for. And so how do we reconcile that feeling? Like, do we have this question in our mind of why does it feel like I'm always missing out? Or why does it feel like I'm stuck? Or have you ever had this thought? How did I end up here? Or in a a relationship, how did we end up here? Like I think about those moments where my wife and I, Jenny, where we've gotten into a fight and there's this natural instinct of like, I'm going to stand here and fight till I win, which means I eventually lose, right? And you're like, how did we get here? Or when you go, hey, I know we were really frustrated with each other like a week ago. What was that about? We have these natural instincts that just kind of protect our world and our situation. And so we go down swinging. Sometimes it leads us into bad moral decisions. Sometimes it leads us into more stressful situations. Sometimes it leads us into situations where we're plagued by fear or by worry. This is what I find in conversations over and over again, whether it's with adults, students, anybody, is that these are the things that we start asking of our world and that we are longing for. And you could probably fill in the blank of what it is you long for right now. Uh, One of the things that I think is... Our words create our worlds, and those inform our reactions. So I don't know what type of uh, driver you are, but I I find that there are three types of people when it comes to using the horn, okay? At least here in America. Uh, Three types of people. The first person is the one who just doesn't care. Do I have any people who are like, no matter what happens out there, no matter how bad of drivers are, you just don't care. You don't react. You don't hit the horn. Anybody? Okay. There's not many. Okay. Not a shock. Uh, so it's like when, when something happens on the road, this is me actually, and it frustrates my wife, but like somebody will cut us off. I'm like, eh, whatever they'll be, what is this going to do? Like, that's what goes on in my head. Now there's the other person, the second person who's like, well, I'm not angry with them, but I'm just letting them know I'm here. So it's like, you do a quick beep, beep, you know, honk, whatever. It's like, Hey, I'm here. Just so you know, look at me in your blind spot, right? Like you're that person. How many of those are you? Okay. Awesome. Now we get extreme. So if you haven't raised your hand on the first two, I know you're the third, right? The third person is the one that's like, I despise everything about your life. And I need to let you know that it's like, if they cut you off, they have, by the way, they've been following you for three days to cut you off at that very moment. Right. And you're like, Hunk! you drive up next to him. You're like, Hunk! If you're not in a very Christian mood, you give them the one finger salute. Yeah, um, so, right, these are the extremes. Now, jokingly, I was t- telling this to Jenny, my wife, last night. And I'm like, 
you're the last person. She goes, I know. Then when you don't do anything, she despises me for not honking enough. Right? But this is our reaction. It's what's in our heart. It's in those moments that we just kind of react in that way. And we have these reactions in life. There's a few different types of reactions we do. Here's five of them I I just want to share with you. Sometimes, uh, maybe, figure out, if one of these are you, you're one of them in some way or another, but you have a tendency to react in a certain way regardless of situation. Maybe you're a person that jumps to conclusions and assumes the worst about people and situations. Maybe you're a person that builds a a case against people, hold grudges, so that the moment something happens... It all comes back with full force, right? Timmy, since the third grade, has been a mean person to you. You take things personally and get easily offended. Or you're, you're a, I'm looking out for me, number one, first, and let everyone else deal with their stuff. It's my world, my situation, it's all about me. Or the last one is, when unmet expectations happen... It leads me to, ang- to anger or feeling disappointed and frustrated once again. But it's happened, and I'm frustrated once again. How we react in situations often reflect the temperature of our heart. It reflects the way that we see the world, the way that we see people, and even the way we see ourselves. And the words we surround, the words we surround ourselves with begin to impact the world we are creating. And sometimes the words that we have been living by lately produces the world that we do not want. So if words create worlds, then how are we letting those words determine the direction of our decision-making and our life? I wonder what words you have been living by. I'm pretty sure you could come up with a word or two that you've been believing about yourself or about your situation, or maybe you heard those five reactions, like, I'm that person. Like, I, it's always scary when you're writing a message, because then you have to think about these things. But two, you have to ask your spouse about it. So I was like, I was talking with Jenny, I'm like, which one of these reactions are me? And I was like, I think I'm the person who naturally thinks me first. I think that's my world. I'm just kind of caught in my world, my situation. That's my natural reaction in life. But the thing is, it doesn't mean it's all great. It doesn't mean everything happens the way I want, but that's the way I create a world for myself. So what are the words that create your world? When I read stories in the scriptures where we we see Jesus talking about these themes over and over again, I see the story in, in the Bible over and over, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, that there's a battle going on for the, our lives. There's a battle between two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God, and then there's the kingdom of the world. And the kingdom of God is, is what we would call good, and the kingdom of this world can be evil, tempting, destructive, whatever it is. But we see it play out in movies. We play, see it play out in stories. There's always this kind of good versus evil and the struggle of the people within it. We see it happen in relationships, in jobs, in our everyday lives. And so Jesus even described it this way in the verse John 10, 10. He said this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. One of the other translations says that people would have life abundantly, that they would find rich and satisfying life. 
And what he's saying isn't abundance of stuff and finances and things, but he's talking about an abundance of peace and love and joy and purpose. He says this thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy those things. See, Paul wrote in another section of scripture, he said, also, all of us also lived among them at one time, and we are gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and our thoughts. Paul, this, this a guy who followed Jesus, uh, before he followed Jesus, though, he was a person who attacked Christians. He wanted them to be put away, to be killed, and so he was going after them. He has this encounter with Jesus, and he's transformed. He says, the way that we live as people is we go after these cravings of flesh in our life, that we crave what we want, the selfish desires in our life, and our tendency and our impulse is just to kind of fight for those. One of the quotes I heard was say, it said this about temptation and sin, that temptation and sin only promise what it can never deliver. Temptation and sin only promise what it can never deliver. That decision promises you maybe happiness or joy or fulfillment, and you get it. You step into that moment, and you go, it just wasn't what I was looking for. And it leaves you with consequence and destruction and hurt and longing for more. That's why I love what Jesus says in John 10, 10. He says, I, I have come to give you life and life abundantly. And the reason why for me that verse has been so powerful is that's the type of life I want. That's the type of life I long for. That's the type of world I want to be a part of. And so how do we do that? Well, Paul said this in Romans 12, 1 through 2. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. This is your true and proper worship. So Paul's saying, this is what I want you to do with your life. I want you to serve God in this way, because it's going to be better for you and for those around you. That's, that's what he's saying. He goes, he says this, though, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. He goes, this is what I know about you and me, is that we need our minds, our hearts renewed. We need to be reminded of truths. We need to be reminded about who we are. We need to be reminded about what God sees in us and how he values us. And that even though we have fallen short in our past, there is, there is grace for us. That's what he wants to remind us. It even says that we are a new creation. Anyone who is in Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. Like you and I are new in Jesus. But our tendency, my tendency is to drift. I drift towards complacency. I drift towards uh, Netflix. I drift, I drift towards hanging out in my sweatpants and, and disengaging from my kids and being on my phone. That's where I drift. And so I need my mind renewed by Christ over and over again about what he believes about me and what he believes about people. Because the words that I live by create the world that I live in. The words that I live by create the world that I live in. And so my question to you is, take a moment and kind of ask yourself, what is the world that I have been living in and what is the world that I long to live in? So I was sitting in my boss's office, this guy, Kyle, 
who has a ton of experience and he, he's gotten to be a part of many different leadership uh, kind of roles around uh, the world. He traveled around the world on a ship called Mercy Ships and got to bring hope into many different areas through a hospital on a boat, basically. And, and, and then he's been at Kensington for a number of years. And on his whiteboard in his office are these five kind of thoughts for life. And I asked Kyle, I was like, what is it about these thoughts? Like, where did you get them from? He goes, they're learnings that I've had over the years. And they're so practical that as a team, we talked about these five thoughts. And like, it would be great as we talk about what is my word for 2018, that we give some of these practicals for maybe shifting the thoughts and patterns and the words that we believe in that, so that we would see a shift in our world. Here's uh, the first thought. Instead of having this mentality, do more, be more, expect more, have this thought, manage expectations, manage expectations. The question is, what do you think God expects from you and from others? I, I, I sometimes think when I, when I think about what God expects from me, when I'm not kind of living in, in that renewed mindset, I think God expects more. He wants more of me. He wants me to strive more. He wants me to try harder. He wants me to be more. And, and I'm always kind of on this journey where it's just not enough. Ever felt like you're just not enough and you need to keep striving and doing? And I'm not saying God doesn't want more for you, but sometimes we get caught into this mindset that if I don't do more, get more approval, strive more, I am unsuccessful as a person, as a follower of Christ, as whatever. But see, I believe that God has a much different view of us. And, and then what we do is we take those expectations on ourselves and we place them on somebody else. And when they don't deliver, look out, right? Our frustration, our anger comes up. John 6, 27 uh, through 29 says this, when Jesus was asked about what, it, what does God expect and require of us? Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man would give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Do not strive for things where you think your approval by God is based on what you do. Your seal of approval, that God says you are loved, you are his child, is already there because of who Jesus is. So then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this to believe in the one he has sent. Isn't it interesting when we ask a question, God, what do you want me to do? He says, I want you to believe in me first. How often do we get that kind of messed up? We think we have to do more, achieve more, but first God wants us to believe in him and let that transform our actions. I think it's so important that we start there as a thought for our life. Maybe, maybe in your life, if, like, if I just believed in him first versus believing I had to achieve all these things, my stress, my peace, my joy would shift. The second thing is this. Second thought. Instead of assuming the worst, believe the best. Believe the best. I heard this thought um, when I was down in Atlanta for a conference, and Andy Stanley is a pastor of a large church. He said, there's always this gap in life. Where something happens and in the gap, what you decide to do changes how you think about people and how you think about yourself. He said, when you choose to assume the worst about people and their intentions, you box them in. 
when you choose to believe the best, even if they let you down, even if they've done this before, when you choose to believe the best, you yourself are freed in the situation. Paul, the, the apostle Paul even said this in another letter. He said, consider others better than yourself. Sometimes when we are assuming the worst, we assume people aren't living up to our expectations, our situation. So we say, this is all you get versus believing the best that there's something possible that maybe a different situation happened. For example, when driving and not honking angrily at people, have you ever been in a situation where you were in a rush that you skipped the entire line to get up to the front because you needed to get somewhere first? Anyone ever done that? No, just me. I'm the only one who cuts to the front of the line when in desperate need. You're lying. I don't believe the best in you right now. Um, no, it's reality, right? Where we have the situation where in our situation, we can make every excuse. But for others, we hold them to a different standard. What if we believe the best? I'm actually not saying that they choose the best, but I believe that we will be more free in our life. This third thought. Do we build a case or do we keep short accounts? When we build a case against people, it is so easy for us to store up their failures, their mistakes, and these frustrations in the back pocket of our lives. My wife Jenny and I, we have this kind of rule in our house that whenever we get into a fight, if forgiveness has been offered fully, if we have said, hey, I have forgiven you, uh, we're going to work together on this situation, we're going to move forward, then I can't hold that over them and overshadow them for the rest of their life. We say there's no back pocket fighting. I'm not keeping a scorecard in the back of my pocket saying this is all you get. Now, I want to I say this just cautiously. I don't mean that anytime you have offered somebody forgiveness, that, that means ultimate trust is given again. Does that make sense? So if a buddy of mine shared something that we had in private, you know, we had, a, we had a, a secret or whatever statement that I trusted him with, and he went and shared it on social media, I probably wouldn't share that secret with him again, right? Like, I'm not saying be naive in these situations, but one of the things that is important is when we have chosen to forgive, that we keep that account short. Matthew 5, 23 through 24 says this, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar... And there remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. One of the things that Jesus is saying is this. is When we want to worship God, when we want to experience God, when we want to hear from God, the most important thing we do first is we start with reconciling in relationship. Because it affects our ability to worship. Forgiveness. This is Max Lucado. He said this. Forgiveness is unlocking the door to set somebody free and realizing you were the prisoner. Sometimes forgiveness isn't even asked for. But we have a choice as people to keep a short account and offer forgiveness so that we aren't stuck in shackles. The fourth thought is this. Instead of gratifying ourselves, move in the opposite spirit. Galatians 5.16 um, says this. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, which is the Spirit of God. And the Spirit which is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But here is the fruit of the Spirit. So you have your choice, right? Am I going to walk in my flesh? 
in my world, the kingdom of this world, or I'm going to walk in the kingdom of God. But here's the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. When I look at that list of what the fruit of the Spirit is, like I want that for my life. I want that to be the world I am in. I want that to be the world. Now, here's the reality is you and I, there have been times in our life where we haven't moved in the spirit of God, but we've gratified our own flesh, haven't we? We've made decisions, some big, some small. And we live with some of those consequences. And in that, in that situation, in that pain, we have not experienced the love that we thought we were going to get, the peace that we thought we were going to get, the joy that we thought we were going to get, the gentleness, and we didn't operate in this place of self-control. But this is what God offers us over and over again. And so if we choose, instead of gratifying ourselves, to move in the opposite spirit of, where would our life be? Uh, in Seinfeld, there was this one episode where George came into the into the uh, the, the the place where they're eating, and and he had this moment, and uh, the the quality was so bad, I didn't want to show you it. It was terrible, but um, I'll tell you what happened. He sat down. He goes, "Everything in my life isn't the way I wanted." And he goes, "All these things that I wanted, nothing's in my life the way I wanted." And and, and he goes, "So I'm just going to do the opposite. Everything I'm going to do the opposite." The waitress comes over, and says, "Do you want coffee?" "No, I want tea." You know, it's like, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to do something different. Uh, Do you want Commonwealth coffee? No, I want terrible coffee. You know, it was like, these are the things that he was deciding. And and so he goes up to, he says, there's a girl over there that's pretty. Well, she doesn't want to date me. I have no job. I live with my mom. These are the places I'm at. So I'm not even going to talk to her. Because never mind, I'm going to tell her the truth and I'm going to do the opposite. Goes over to the girl. He goes, I have no job. I have no, I live with my mom, blah, 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 blah. Do you want to go on a date? And she goes, hey. And she totally changes it. And I think it's, it was fun for me because I, I look at it and I go, in our life, sometimes we have made the decisions that got us to the place that we were at. So what if today is the day that we decide to do the opposite? Say that this season, this next year, I'm going to do the opposite of gratifying myself, my flesh, my situation. And say, I'm going to move in step with God and his desires. I think it's one of the reasons why our series next, next month, Crave, is so powerful. Because I think we're talking about the areas that maybe we have been gratifying ourselves or, or we have been, we've been drawn to and saying, how do I move in an opposite direction? Um, right now in the, in the service, I want to receive our offering uh, before we kind of come to the end of, of, of the message. Because I think there's something really powerful at the end that I want you to be able to be a part of. And so... One of the things here at Kensington, uh, if you are a part of Kensington, you've been giving. I just want to say thank you. Uh, it is incredible what we get to be a part of. I, I am truly grateful for the stories, the life change, the transformation, the, the impact that your finances are a part of. And I really believe you are embodying this 
this kind of concept of instead of gratifying self, moving in the opposite spirit, where we live in a culture that says money is mine and I hold on to it. You have chosen to be open-handed and generous, and I just want to say thank you. Uh, For those of you who are new or just attending, uh, you can let this moment pass. Uh, It is not meant for you, but if you want to give and you want to take a step of faith in that direction, by all means, uh, we appreciate it and um, uh, we'll totally receive it. Uh, The other thing is, if you're new, stop by Starting Point and get a gift after the service. We want you to be um, a part of that. The last thought is this. Um, Instead of taking things personally, live with an unoffendable heart. How easy is it for us to look at our world and think that everything is a personal attack upon us? Right? Most of the time, we, we're in this conflict where, where a situation comes up, a statement is said, and, and it triggers our insecurity, and so we take it personally. Some of you just took it personally that I said, don't take it personally. Right? It's like we are that hell stuck in our ways and our trenches. But I think God has something far greater than us worrying and being concerned about how everyone else is personally attacking you. And instead, to live differently with an unoffendable heart. Ezekiel 36, 26 says this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So instead of having this heart of stone... To have this heart that is human and soft and welcoming. See, one of the things that I think this happens, how this happens is we, we find ourselves maybe at Christmas at, uh, with family gatherings with friends. It, it's so interesting the conversations that come up when I'm listening to them. It's like if it becomes this complaint about people and what they've done and all these things. It's like all of a sudden it was this personal attack that somebody lived their life this way. And we fill our time and our world with these words. These negative words that don't really matter. But what if we lived with an unoffendable heart? What kind of world could we create? What kind of world could we fight for? What kind of world would our identity be if everything wasn't a personal attack, but our identity was tied to Jesus and what he says about us? What kind of word would you need to hear to experience that type of freedom and peace? And what kind of word has God maybe already been speaking to you? So here are the five thoughts, right? They're going to come up on the screen. Manage expectations. Believe the best. Keep short accounts. Move in the opposite spirit. And live with an unoffendable heart. What I want you to do is I want you to just think about which one of those is God speaking to me about this year to live differently. Which one of those thoughts would have an impact in 2018? In an incredible way. What kind of, which one of those thoughts would maybe push you in a direction where you experience the joy and peace and the world you desire? And what kind of, which one of those thoughts maybe speak against some of the words you have been listening to? I was sitting a couple years back, I was sitting with my buddy, uh, John Somerville. If you know John, John and I came on staff about a year apart from each other, and we were leading the high school ministry and the middle school ministry side by side. And, and so he is one of my best friends, one of the people that I, I love and, and just love doing life with. And one time we were sitting out by a campfire and we were talking about the words that create our world. And he's like, I, I feel like there's a word that, I, that needs to shift in my mind. And I remember as we were talking, he, he said this word adventure. He said, 
I think there's something powerful in the word adventure for my family. Now, if you know John, he, he does all sorts of adventures. He has a beard. That's an adventure, I think. But he like mountain bikes, he climbs, he does all these different things, right? And he's an adventurous type of guy. Builds his own motorcycle, I don't know, just all these things. He goes, but there's something about the word adventure that challenges my heart at the very soul level. He goes, and it was so powerful. It was the world that he was in. He was living in Berkeley, Royal Oak at the time. And he goes, I sometimes don't look at my mundane everyday life as an adventure. I don't see it that way. But I think God is telling me that my everyday life can be an adventure. And so years and years ago, he started looking at his life differently of how am I leading my children, leading my wife, leading my family to have an adventure in our everyday life? How am I having them see the world differently, experience the world differently, that it isn't so mundane and boring, but it's powerful and inspiring and impactful? How would I treat people? How would I have more grace for time? How would I manage expectations? How would I believe the best? And so all of a sudden, the story of John and Aaron were Four or five years later, they decide to go to North Africa to be missionaries and, and, and do something incredible, this amazing adventure. The thing I know about John is the adventure started far before that. And I wonder if there's a word for you and I, or word for you in this season, that might challenge you to shift your thinking. For me, I remember that word. I wrote it on my hand. It's sun. So simple but so powerful for me. See, for me, this word means so much. I used to strive for approval in every conversation. I used to worry about what everybody thought. I used to be stuck in this line of thinking that I needed to validate myself to every person. And all of a sudden, one day in my time with Jesus and reading through scriptures, I heard the word son. And it just, it it like hit me like a weight sitting on my chest. And it was like, God, what does that mean? He goes, I am your father and I love you. You are my son. And you are valuable and loved and approved who you are. You don't need their approval. You don't need to fight for it. Because one, it's not going to happen. And two, it doesn't matter because I call you son. For me, that word has stuck with me for years. It shapes my decisions. It shapes my reaction. That word creates a whole different world for me. What word might God be speaking to you right now? What word would allow your relationships to be different today? What word would allow you to maybe not be in the pain that you feel or hurt that you've been carrying? What word might bring more impact into your life? What word would allow you to experience more joy in the everyday? What word would offer you freedom and peace and joy? What word is God speaking to you? What word has he been trying to get you to hear, but you've been holding back? See, I believe that God is full of grace and kindness and peace, and he longs for us to experience that fullness that Jesus talked about, a full, abundant life. So what word might he be speaking to you right now that would shape your world.
The Lord kind of revealed to me my word at the end of a season of dryness in my life. That's when he kind of came in and just hushed a lot of my fears saying, don't worry, don't fear, you're going to be my witness in 2018. My word for 2018 is witness. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. I'm free to live my life feeling oppressed and depressed by what others think of me, or I'm free to choose to believe what God says about me. My word for 2018 is free. I just recently started Claimer Campus, which is a prayer movement with all the high schoolers. It's been growing rapidly. It's just going to change the lives of so many people. It's going to be huge. My word for 2018 is unforgettable. I chose hope for my word. Hope is the only thing that allows me to continue to live this life. It's the reason why I have joy in my heart. I realize even if I go through trials or tribulations or struggles or make mistakes or fall, my hope is still in Christ alone. My word for 2018 is hope. My word for 2018 is intentional. I would like to be intentional with my relationships, with the Lord, with my friends, and with my family. I'd like to be intentional with my time. And if I am intentional, I believe that I can make a difference. My word for 2018 is intentional. When I reflected on 2017, I don't think I experienced a lot of peace. I think following Jesus, we're supposed to have abundant blessings, and peace is one of those. So my word for 2018 is peace. So we gave out these Sharpies at the beginning of the service because we want you to be a part of this too. And so if you don't have a Sharpie or your family doesn't have a Sharpie that you can share, why don't you raise your hand and one of our team members will come up uh, and give you one. But here's what I want you to think about. I believe that God speaks in in so many different ways. I was talking with my friend Andrea this past uh, couple weeks ago, and she said, when I read the Bible, there's a word that just kind of pops off the page to me and I just stop. It's like, it isn't this magical moment. It's just this word, for some reason, I can't take my eyes off of it. For some of you, you get a picture. You might go, there's this picture in my mind of something, and and I just can't let that go. There's, for some of you, it's, it's literally a word that you just hear like a recording in your mind over and over again. But what I believe is this, that regardless of whatever happened in 2017, that God wants to speak something to you or has been speaking to you and and wants you to hear something that is incredible for just you. Because I believe this, that God is a personal God. He loves to be in relationship with his sons and daughters. He loves for them to experience his love and grace and kindness and truth. And I believe the words that we hear are positive. They're not negative. They're not accusatory. They're not about your failures and your mess-ups and your hurts. But they're forward-thinking. They're about the future. They're about what is possible when we lean into the truth that, that God came to give us a life, a life that is abundant, full, rich in mercy and grace. And so what our team's going to do is they're going to they're gonna sing a song. And for some of you, it may be a time where you just stay seated. And you listen and you ask God, what is the word that you've been speaking? For some of you, you already know it. And the, the action of writing it down uh, is scary but powerful. Yesterday, actually the last couple of days, I've been thinking about my word for 2018. 
and uh, the word is resolve. Resolve means unwavering, decisive, determined. The reason why I think God has been speaking that to me is so often I'm unresolved. So often I'm not as determined as I've longed to be. And that I hear God speaking, but I waver in the midst of my own desires to gratify myself rather than moving in the opposite spirit. So what is your word? What is God speaking to you? How does he want to encourage you? Take this time and reflect on that, live in that, and, uh, and then let our band lead you in uh, singing to God about who he is and what he sees in us.
to invite you to stand where you are right now. And as we close, I want to close by singing words. Let's say we will build our foundation on none other than Jesus. As we look back on our 2017, there's a lot of things that can come to mind. You know, for for me and my family, it was uh, some health problems for our youngest child and a lot of home issues and and debt came back into our lives. And there was some good stuff along the way too. But as I look ahead, as we look ahead to 2018, one thing we know is that Jesus is greater than all of that and that we want to build our 2018 on him. So let's sing together.
said no matter what your 2017 was our hope and our prayers that 2018 will be a year built on the foundation of Jesus we want to wish you a happy new year if you would like to pray with somebody we have an amazing team of people that will be down front right after our service in a second here if you have any questions at all about what your next step might be here at Kensington Church I want to invite you to go to starting point we'll see you right back here next week for the start of our brand new series crave happy new year everyone